Well, good morning, Northern Hills Church. It's good to be with you this morning. My name is Brandon. I'm one of the pastors here, part of the teaching team. And I have a couple questions to get us started this morning, actually. The first question I wanted to ask you is, what are the simple temptations that you deal with on a daily basis? Not just the temptations you maybe dealt with for a long time, but the simple temptations you deal with on a daily basis. What are the things in your life that you do that you don't want to do, but you find yourself doing anyway on the daily? Now, see, these, these can swing pretty, pretty far on the pendulum here. I, I don't want us to swing so far and like, oh, we're talking about temptations and this is going to be deep. We're going to make this light to start off this morning, okay? We're going to have a little fun with this, little crowd participation, as I like to call it. And just think of this as a really large confessional room, okay? Because we're going to be raising hands and just find out how much all of us need Jesus Christ this morning, okay? So here's the question. Here's what we're going to start with. How many of you have ever been tempted to skip out on work? Raise your hand. <laughs> Those of you that aren't raising your hand are lying right now. Come on. How many, how many of you, how many of you have actually skipped out on work in the last year? Okay, none of us are hard workers. That's great. All right, that's right. This is confessional type. We're all here. We're all family. All right, how many of you have ever been tempted to steal other individuals' streaming services, your friends and family streaming services? Raise your hand. Oh, not as many of there, huh? Oh, you guys are all goody two-shoes. Huh? How many of you actually do steal streaming services? The Freitas are that people, right? I, I'm just confessing right now in front of you. I guess I'm giving my air, air in my laundry, but I don't think there's, out of the four or five cool stations we have, we don't pay for them. Okay, so the third one, how many of you have ever been tempted to steal something from a store? <laughs> it's getting worse and worse. It's like, gosh, he's, he's really getting in my kitchen now. I don't know. I don't know if I want to confess this. When I was seven years old, I stole my very first thing, which was called a garbage pail kid card, all right? These were at the grocery store. And some of you know what that is. For those of you that don't know, garbage pail kids were making fun of what the doll was at the time. It was called a cabbage patch doll, cabbage patch kid. And they were making fun of that, which I said cabbage patch doll, and many of you don't even know what that is, which proves how stupid it was to try to steal these cards. I was a dumb person at seven years old, and then I grew up and continued to stay dumb. All right. So. So here's another one. Here's another one now. How many of you have been tempted to text and drive? All right, there it is. There's the honesty in the room. Now, I'm not even going to ask you how many of you do text and drive because all of us would be fearful to leave this church today and get back on the roads. All right, so I'm not even going to ask that. Last one, last one. This is going to be a doozy. This is a good one. How many of you have been tempted to drop a very small coin from a very, very tall building and see what it would do to the population down below. <laughs> you are all dark and demented people that raised your hand. I actually had that one too. I would do that. All right. We face simple temptations every day, don't we? Simple temptations every day. And then there's some not so simple temptations that we face every single day. And many of us can even think through the life that we've lived 
and we can think of those temptations that have really weighed on us for years and years, much of our lives. Why is it we want to do the things that we shouldn't do? And what do we even do with that? We're in the second week of our teaching series in James, and it's called Bringing Faith to Life. We're going to be navigating the book of James uh, for the next many months. And this is a letter that was written in the Bible, and this letter was written to help people put their faith in action. It was meant to see your faith come to life. And that's why James wrote this. He, he was being really practical. What you got to love and appreciate about James and how he writes is he just gets to the point really quickly. Let's just call it James is actually the epitome of what we would describe as real talk because that's what he's doing in this letter. But I think the thing I love most about him is that a letter he wrote 2,000 years ago applies to us here in 2023. That's what I love about the scriptures in general. He's talking about things that we deal with in our everyday problems that we have. How do we deal with conflict? How to pray? How to use our words effectively? Now, for some of us through this series, it's going to be the first time we've ever really spent time walking through a book of the Bible. That's awesome. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're joining us online. This is going to be a great series to do that. But what I'm encouraging us to do for this entire series is to take it beyond the Sunday. Let's all dig into this letter. Let's dig into the book of James and let's spend time in it in our week. Even if that's taken 10 or 15 minutes every single day, maybe a chapter every day that you just dig into because there's some rich, rich things that we can learn from this letter. And not only are we going to grow as individuals, I think the beauty behind what we'll see in this series is as a collective, as a church, as we link arms in what we're learning through this letter, we're going to grow as a church as well. So we're going to pick up where we left off last week in chapter 1. We're in verses 13 through 14 to start off. Here's what James says. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted <coughs> with evil. Excuse me. For God cannot be tempted with evil and he tempts no one. Catch this. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. So James He's been addressing this crowd of people, these, these people that are all going through all sorts of trials. We talked about that last week. And he's explaining to them that the trials they're navigating in life isn't something they should be surprised from. We actually need to remember that as Christians. We need to remember that just because we came to Jesus Christ, we were reminded of this last week, it's not a promise that because we're starting to follow Jesus that all those trials are going to go away. And James is explaining that not only is that true with trials, but that's also true about temptations in the Christian life. Some of us, we started our relationship with Jesus, and we were hoping those desires that we used to have, used to have, would just go away. That those things that were just sort of innate in us, that we were tempted by, would sort of dissipate. And some of us are still navigating through those very things. James is clearly saying no. Just like those trials, temptations will still be there. And here's what's interesting. He says, let no one say when he is tempted that I am being tempted by God. This is a command here. He's very firm with this. It's a strong force that's saying, don't you dare say that God is the cause of that temptation. God is not tempting you, so don't make this about him because he does not tempt God is not attempting God, and people will want to use God 
in the midst of their temptations. And he's saying, no, not even in the same sentence here. He's saying the origin is our own desires. And I think most of us hate to hear that. Most of us become a little bit already disturbed because we want to blame something. (laughs) Maybe we want to blame God. But even if you don't want to do that, it's easy to say, well, the initial blame then goes to our enemy. It goes to Satan. And we'll get there. That's part of this story. But many of us maybe want to even find the person, the, the parents we had, the individuals we grew up, the, the company we keep as blaming those individuals for these desires. James is saying, no, God doesn't tempt. It has nothing to do with that evil. This is something with you. Look, the problem with most of us, I think when it comes to the doing the stupid things that we do or that we shouldn't do, is that we also don't realize that it's not necessarily the plan that any of us have ever made. It's not like you've ever had a conversation with somebody and they've set out this, I couldn't wait to be overweight in my life. Like literally that was the plan for my life was to just be overweight and just let food be my comfort and my temptation. Like you've never had that conversation. You've never had the conversation where someone was like, here's the five-year plan to bankruptcy. This is what you do to make that happen. You've never had that conversation. You've never met that person or the person that's, you know what? Pornography. It's such a great thing that I embrace this to ruin my entire marriage, ruin the relationships around me. You've never seen that take place, right? The problem is, is that we don't, we don't think about what our decisions lead to and that our decisions are so, so important what we decide in here, what the internal compass is driving for the decisions we make. Because the decisions that you make, they will determine your life. Good or bad, the decisions that we make determine our life. I don't know if you've ever heard this said in this way, but we make our decisions and then our decisions make us. Have you heard that term before? It's why pre-deciding or making a decision before something happens is so important. It's why making the preemptive decision in your mind is a very key thing to do. Pre-deciding to simply is choosing ahead of time what we will hold true to in the inner compass, and that will help frame the decisions we make for our future. You see it all over scripture. Even when a few individuals backslid and they were having difficulty, at their core, Moses and David and Ruth and Joseph and and Mary had made an internal pre-decision about things that would frame their future. So when it comes to temptation, we need to pre-decide, is God my problem or am I the problem? That's a decision you need to make. Anybody love good sniper movie? That's a weird question on a Sunday morning, right? I'm not trying to like wipe anybody out, sorry. But I, I love the, all the sniper movies that are out there. They're, they're just engaging to me. You got American Sniper, Mark Wahlberg's in like sh- this movie called Shooter. There's an old one called Enemy at the Gates. And just all of these, all of these good ones. The reality why I like them so much is because I just love the craft of what these snipers do. They're so gifted in their given area. And, and I, 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 fall, I, I engage in these movies because... What's so interesting to me is that they are an important factor in the battlefield for really any army. You're talking about a special force that carries out these covert operations 
and they're targeting an enemy from a distance. We know this if you're any kind of history buff, right? The British snipers were able to significantly uh, delay the Germans' advance by having snipers. They, it required them to identify the enemy, find the source, and take out their sniping people, right? So not only were they taking out the enemy snipers, but they were also taking out the enemy in general. Now, what's interesting about this is they had to find what the source was. If they failed to identify that, lives are lost. In fact, mass lives could be lost, casualties beyond what they could imagine. And I think likewise in our walk with God, as we face temptation, it's going to require us to do that inner search. It's going to require us to figure out what the source of those temptations are. And James is really clear here. The desire, it's not from God. He's good. The evil doesn't come from him. It comes from within you, which again, we don't want to hear because we like to be good people. We want to be the good guys. That's not from me. And then it's just in our nature to blame. And that's not in just your and I's nature. That's in our great-great-great-great-great-great-great-grandfather and grandmother's nature, Adam and Eve. Because what we see in the, in the Bible is that they were really clear to go ahead and place blame. Well, thanks, God. It's this woman that you gave me who's not helping out here. And then the woman, oh, thanks, God. It's the serpent's fault. And it's like we sit in that same boat. God, you made me this way. Why am I tempted by these things? Or you did lure me. I find that interesting how James uses that. And he goes, no, you were lured and enticed. But when we predecide that God doesn't get the blame, then our decisions won't be based on just blaming others or whatever feels good in that moment. And that'll help frame our decisions for the rest of our life. We have to have inner truths and inner values because when those are clear, our decisions become easier. All of us have given in to temptation. That's just the honest truth. We've all had something. And then generally when we have, we've regretted it. Well, why is that? Why did you give in to that temptation? And I think in most cases, if I'm honest with myself or getting in conversations with others, we gave in to that temptation because we weren't ready. We weren't prepared. We didn't have a plan. So pre-deciding is choosing to prepare. It's choosing to prepare for what could be coming. And this is where the enemy does come in. This is where we face that real enemy. See, it's, just, it's beyond just our inner desires, isn't it? We know from the scripture, Satan is out to destroy us, out to kill us. And scripture talks over and over again, telling us we need to be aware of this. 1 Corinthians 16, 13, I love Paul. Be on guard, stand firm. Firm in the faith. Be courageous and be strong. And then even Jesus in Matthew 26 encourages us, be watchful and pray at all times so you don't fall into temptation. We want to do the right thing, but then our flesh just is weak. We're weak in those moments that come. So we need to have a plan. We need to prepare and predecide. And James is helping us out by making really clear, if you don't, here's what temptation will do to you. Verse 15. Then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. That's heavy. When it is fully conceived, brings forth death. Now, here's what I need us to understand, really, to, to start things off with. Because some of us are even feeling, oh, my goodness. Like, Brandon's saying, I'm going to die. What's going on here? Being tempted 
That's not the sin. Being tempted is not a sin. It's not a sin to be tempted. It's not a sin to desire even to do something wrong. It only becomes a sin, and let's just define term sin being something that's against God's will, something that's wrong, something that's dangerous for our lives. It only becomes a sin when we give into it. There's a famous theologian and a priest, Martin Luther, and he put it this way. He said, temptations, of course, cannot be avoided. But because we cannot prevent the birds from flying over our heads, there's no need we should let them rest in our hair. I love that quote because there is a difference. There's a difference between being tempted and giving into the temptation. The catch is Satan, father of lies, your enemy, he knows your weaknesses. He knows those things and he's always looking to outsmart you, catch you. He's trying to study you and he knows where you're weak. He knows where you're vulnerable. He knows how to attack you, how to put you out of God's will, how to hurt the people around you because we aren't as strong as we think, friends. I, I, I'm just, I'm calling it. We're not as strong as we think. There's a lot, there's a lot that you think you can handle that you cannot handle without God. The enemy wants you to believe that you can and that then you can make a decision to take on what is just a simple desire, a simple temptation, and then over time that grows into this full-grown sin that what? Will lead to death. 1 Corinthians 10, 12. So if you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall, which is a sobering warning from Paul in Scripture because he says when it, se when it seems that you can invade the temptations and many of us feel like we do, well... I can handle it. This is no big deal. Why are you worried about that? I'm not worried about that. This isn't going to grow into anything but this silly thing. And be, when we put ourselves in that spot, the scripture says, hey, you think you're standing firm, but be sure that you're not overly confident because those are the people that tend to fall. If you think you're standing firm, be careful that you don't fall. Overconfidence will end you up in a place that's going to lead to potential death. Studies are really fascinating. They show that people vastly overestimate the ability to resist temptation, that we are stronger than we think we are. There's a technical term for it. I don't know if you've actually heard this. It's called restraint bias. Have you heard of this? Restraint bias. And restraint bias is that you think you can fight off more than you can fight off. How many of you have gone to the workplace and you're walking past, someone brought the chocolate cake. They brought it, and you know you shouldn't have the chocolate cake. And you, you're able to walk past it the first time. <laughs> the first time. And then the second time, you even, no, I'm praying about this, I got my godly, you know, that I'm not supposed to eat the chocolate, I'm good. And then that third time, you're pulling it out of your hair because you just tackled that thing, right? That's what happens with us. We think we've got it, we think we have it, but then, it's more than we can handle. Why is that? Because we overestimate our ability to fight off those things. We overestimate all the time. One of our responses is just because, or one of the responses we need to acknowledge is that we just don't realize that we don't have all of this kind of gumption to resist that kind of temptation because we're fighting temptation off all the time. Spiritually, you may not realize this, but you're becoming fatigued through the day. Mentally, you're becoming fatigued through the day. There's that part of our brain that controls this willpower and it wears out. Your willpower wanes because you work with crazy people. How many of you work with crazy people? I work with crazy people. I do. 
I'm one of the crazies. It's sort of a prerequisite for ministry, so that's fine. They work with crazy people as well. But we work with crazy people. And what happens through the day with crazy people? Oh, they're frustrating. You want to throw them through a wall. You have to sit through a meeting with them, and all you want to do is just highlight, oh, are you serious? Do you see this problem or how to solve that problem that way? You want to unleash on them, but you're godly, and so you fight it off, and you're, you're praying about it. God's got this. Oh, I want to do something. I just want to, oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I got this new project. That's such a bad decision all day long, but you're godly, and you get through the day, but then you drive home. <laughs> And so who do you take that out on? Hi, honey, how was your day? Or, or your kids or the dog, <laughs> right? I have a dog now. I'm figuring out that you take it out on the dog a little bit, right? Maybe you shouldn't do that, I guess. But our self-control, our willpower, it is a limited resource. And the more we use it, the less we have. And, and the less we have, then it's harder to recover. Because of that fatigue, it's harder to rebuild. And so you are not as strong as you think you are. Isn't it interesting how James uses the term, the term lure? I was just talking with somebody after first service. And we were talking and reminiscing about how we used to, you know, fish. He's still a fisherman, I think, but I used to fish with my grandpa all the time. And we were big into power bait. And power bait had to cover the entire hook. It was this, like, fluorescent just mush that I'm sure there's still power bait out there. But that you would just put over the hook to make sure you didn't draw attention to the shiny hook. And instead you drew attention to the shiny fluorescent orange or fluorescent yellow bait. James has given us an example that we're fish. That's the picture I get. Going for the bait, which is desire. There is something in us that longs for something that God says is wrong and evil, but we want it anyways. And he says, you have a choice in that moment. Did you prepare? Did you make an internal pre-decision in your inner compass? Because just like that fish, you're going to fall for the hook and you may get lured away. And either you make this decision, you go and you grab it, or, or you swim away. You swim away. And in the same way as we're being tempted, we have that choice. He says there's going to be that moment where you want to go for it, but if you made the pre-decision, if you prepped, you don't bite the bait. But he says if you do, there's a conception that takes place. He uses some very vivid graphic language here. A birth that will take place. And this birth will lead to death. He calls that sin. He says that that sin in conception will go on to produce death. Now, I want to get really practical here. I want to help us out as we look at the temptations in our life. So write this down, just a practical step. If you're looking for something to help you prepare, help you with these temptations along the way, write this down, capture it however you capture it. We need to enlarge what we can lose. Enlarge what you can lose. Because James is saying that sin, when it's fully grown, will bring death. That's not just hyperbole. We need to take this really seriously. You should and I should. The temptations that we highlighted at the beginning that are light and soft, like those are even if you get down to the nitty gritty of them. What's the long game on some of those? Texting and driving? We all know this. I'm not throwing blame and shame. I text and drive. I've done it. But what's the long game if you continue to fall into that temptation? We've heard of some of those horror stories, right? 
And no one would want that on their life. What are we doing to prepare or predecide to stop putting ourselves in something that could be a worst case? But we've got to enlarge what could be lost to even have that perspective. We've got to consider what is the worst that could happen if I continue dabbling in this very thing that I'm dabbling in. It's enlarging what could be lost. Worst case scenario. Worst case scenario. And I'm not trying to be a killjoy and neither is James. Because he's just being real and he's using real language. And you know this. If you live in the world I live in, then you get it. Is that little temptation could lead us to lose our reputation. The little small thing has the ability to wipe out your integrity in a moment. You could lose your job. You could lose loved ones. You could find yourself financially just lost in a wreck. We could compromise relationships with friends and family, our kids. There was a pastor of mine, I remember this. He shared this with me early on in the stages of ministry. And I know now it was meant to scare the bejesus out of me, okay? And he did scare the bejesus out of me with it. He's like, Brandon, I'm gonna scare you for the right reason. He said, when you sin against the Lord, your sin is going to find you out. It's going to come out and you will be found out. Okay, well, I'm looking forward to years in ministry. Thank you. But he was honest and he was right. We have to enlarge what we can lose because this isn't a game. Now, I've struggled with some temptations, okay? I've had the, many men in this room. We get the temptations. We're all adults in this room. And I've struggled with some of those same temptations. And if I were allowed to allow that sin to become fully grown, what would it mean at looking at the loss? Well, the main loss, the first loss, would be the best friend I have in the world. My relationship with my wife, Jenny, I would lose the trust and respect of my best friend, this woman who has stood by my side through thick and thin. I could lose that, but I need to enlarge it. What would it also mean for my children? What would that kind of betrayal, if I took that to its far end and, and thought worst case scenario, what would that mean for Elodie, my daughter in Camden? How would they navigate that? I would begin to lose some of their perspective of this man they look to, this man of God. But I got to enlarge it. Humbly, let's say I impact a hundred people. Let's say thousands of people. What would that mean if I fell into that? If I gave birth to something that was going to bring death? Now, there's individuals. Well, Brandon's not perfect, and we all know that for sure. But wow, that guy was seeking God. And it would devastate maybe some. It would hurt their faith because they would see this man that was seeking God, trying to live a life of integrity, and bang. I would lose all sorts of credibility, spiritually, spiritual authority. Listen to me. Five minutes, five minutes of sin can wreck a lifetime of pursuing Jesus Christ just five minutes. This is serious talk by James, gang. We want to grow in our faith. We want our faith to come to life. Temptation is a real thing that we need to take really seriously. It will bring death, not just figuratively, but quite literally. And it always looks good. 
It always looks like it's going to be the answer, and we anticipate, oh, this is going to bring pleasure. This is going to be the answer. It's going to be good. Every single time, it's going to lead you to death. At some point, whether in this life or the next, it's going to end in this awful and depressed state. Oh, I thought it was going to be really good. And instead, there's death and misery. In fact, that word death that James refers to here, it refers to the soul leaving the body. So in a very spiritual sense, it's your soul being separated. It's leaving God. That's the end result of sin. But God's word is so good because it provides us hope. Verses 16 and 17, James goes on to say, do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. He's saying, don't be deceived. I love you. I want more from you, or for you, excuse me. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. This isn't bait and switch here. This is not a trick. Don't be deceived by the deceitfulness of sin because the good gifts are not internal. The good gifts are from above. The good gifts are not what you're thinking will add up. The good gifts are from God the Father. He wants to come in, not with bait and switch. He wants to give you a good and perfect gift. So don't be deceived by all the other stuff. And I love how we read 1 Corinthians 10, 12. But here's what it says in verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Now listen, a lot of us want to take that scripture and be like, well, yeah, God's provided a way of escape in certain moments of my temptation. Thank you, God, for that phone ringing when it should have, or me just being distracted. Thank you. But some of us have also been like, well, where's the escape, God? Why didn't you provide the out? And we want this verse to read that way. But as much as we want it to read that way, it doesn't say that God simply gives us a way of escape from temptation so that all kinds of temptation will cease. No, on the contrary. He's saying, I will give you a way of escape so that you can bear the temptation. You have the Holy Spirit living inside of you if you know Jesus Christ. Praise God, hallelujah. We have the God, the Trinitarian God, God the Holy Spirit living in us to direct us and to point us and allows us to bear the temptation that can help us predecide, that can help us make a plan and prepare. And it's that practical step that we can take and it's not just my words, it's from the words of God. Proverbs 4, 14 through 15. Here's a real practical step. Do not enter the path of the wicked. Do not walk in the way of evil. Avoid it. Do not go on it. Turn away from it and pass on. This is a great next step. Write this down because it's not just telling us to pray to, to avoid temptation or spend time more time at church or give more, serve more, or do this more. No, it's saying get the heck away from what tempts you. Run, flee, avoid it. Write this down, prepare your getaway. <laughs> prepare your getaway. And that's not vacation oriented, I'm sorry. <laughs> I know that's what we think of when we see that. Let's prepare a getaway, but we've got to get good at figuring out the way we're going to flee. 
We've got to build a plan and prepare how we are going to flee our specific thing that tempts us to avoid it, to get away from it, to pass on from that. Joseph, he was a man in the Old Testament, and he, he made a plan. He prepared. He predecided. He was just that guy. The scriptures, they call this guy a handsome, well-built young man. And if you don't know the story, Potiphar's wife was noticing that this was a young, well-built man. Okay? She's looking at him, and basically the scriptures speak to that she was looking at him lustfully. Now, this is kind of the boss as well that he's having to navigate. She is, in many ways, his boss. So she boldly comes to him and says, sleep with me. And some of you are thinking, wow, the scriptures are pretty brash and pretty out there and stuff. Well, I just think she's being clear because us guys don't often read cues very well. So honestly, I think she was just helping him along a little bit. I'm not going to be really clear here with what I want. And so imagine the temptation of Joseph because get this, it wasn't his homeland. His brothers, they don't know where he is. He's all alone. This good looking cougar has started to hit on him a little bit, right? And so he's thinking, hey, this may not be so bad. Why, hey, she made the first move. This should be okay, right? And he could have done what many of you do. And I know many of you do it because I do it as well. He could have said, well, this, in the midst of my circumstances here, God hasn't really answered anything for me. Why wouldn't I just do this? We do this all the time. I didn't do anything wrong when my brothers beat me up and put me in the pit. I didn't do anything wrong with my brothers stole me into slavery. This is a bad situation and God's let me down. And often we feel like the same thing. Well, since God didn't do that, I'm not going to do what he wants me to do. And we cannot let, listen to me, we cannot let our disappointments drive our disobedience. We can't let that be the driver of it. Our disappointments cannot dictate our disobedience. It can't justify that. Now, I've done it, you've done it, but we can't do this. Joseph didn't, and he prepared to honor God. He saw what was at stake in the long game, so Potiphar's wife came on to him. He faithfully resists, and what happens after that if you know the story? She stopped the angels came down from on high and he was no longer tempted. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, God. No, that didn't happen at all in the story. Joseph was never, ever tempted again. No, you know what happened? She kept getting into his business every day. She kept going there. Hey, you're looking kind of lonely. Hey, you're looking kind of good. What's going on? Day after day, she's making moves. And in the same way, day after day, your enemy is going to come at you. Your enemy is going to throw that your way, attacking. And as strong as we think we are, we've got to plan the getaway. We've got to figure that piece out. And you may sit back and think, well, Joseph, well, he's just stronger. And he's, he's a man of the Bible. And he was, Joseph wasn't strong. Okay? He was ready. He was ready. He had a plan. He had the internal compass already make his no up for him. This is what, if this happens and this happens and this happens, and this, I know who I'm going to follow. I know what I'll say because of my internal compass. And so Potiphar's wife comes at him and she's not just saying stuff now. She actually grabs his coat. She tries to pull it off of him. And so he runs out of the house. What did he do? He leaves his coat. He just leaves. He's gone. He's history. He flees the moment. Why? Because he knew 
he knew internally that it was better to have a good name than have a good time for a moment. He knew that his name and his character mattered, that his God mattered. It was too much to lose. So he planned the getaway. He prepared. And I, listen, I, I don't know what you're struggling with. I don't know what you're struggling with when it comes to temptation right now. I know I've had a few conversations with some individuals and it seems like something's just happening culturally where old flames want to contact one another. Maybe the old girlfriend or old boyfriend. Have you, have you had these conversations or maybe you yourself are experiencing it? And then, you know, it's a simple just passing like, hey, remember when we were dating, remember? And just that small temptation, just leaving that out there. Maybe that's what you're facing right now. Do I, do I engage in this? This feels a little weird. It feels a little, well, no, they're just friends. What's the lure? I don't know right now if the temptation you're facing is that food is just the thing that is comforting you, that is allowing you to deal with stress, that is a thing we turn to. And again, food's the easy one, right? It's sort of the one we turn away from and say, well, you got to eat. I've had that journey. And that temptation can become an idol, become the thing that you're turning to instead of God. Is that where you're at? I don't know if you're struggling with the temptation of simply just not being who God's called you to be. You're now into adulthood and you're like, my life didn't quite add up the way I wanted it to be. And so I'm just trying to be something I'm not. Some way God didn't make me and the way he didn't wire me, but I'm gonna go ahead and pose. I'm gonna go ahead and put on my mask and try to be something that God says I'm not. And maybe you're just in a place of temptation right now where you are tempted to be God so much, to be so in control of your life that you haven't even spent time with him to allow him to be God, to direct you, to shape and mold you, to say the hard thing, to say the loving thing, just to invite him in and allow God to be God again. I don't know what you're struggling with, but I think we have to enlarge the loss. We have to look at the big picture I think we've got to plan our getaways. I think we have to be people of God that our faith comes alive to the point where we, we make some decisions, we prepare and we predecide on some things. I don't know what your lure is. Oh, do I go after it? The bait looks so good. And God's saying, no, don't be deceived. Don't be deceived because it's going to end in death. And anything that we pursue outside of him, whatever it is, even an example that I'm not going to be able to come up with because we'd be here for hours upon hours. Everything that you pursue outside of Jesus Christ, it's not going to fill. And some of those things that are against the direct will of God, it will lead you to death. And he's saying, swim away. But I believe he's also saying another thing. He's saying, swim to me. I got something for you. Swim away, but swim to me. I am the father of lights who does not change, who is not doing a bait and switch. Simply come to me and I will make your cup overflowing. I've put people around you to do life with and talk about these real things.
but you got to swim away from that thing because that's not what I want for your life right now. God's offering something better because his better is always better. So let's not make him out to be the killjoy. Let's not make him out to be that person. When God, I love this. There's a pastor who once said this. He said, when God says don't, he's saying, don't hurt yourself. And I think if we choose to predetermine, to pre-decide, to, to trust God in his word and what he says to us, if we actually believe God and what he really meant when he said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. Wow. I think there's gonna be something in the temptations in our life that start getting crushed. James is warning us, he's warning us this is real. It's within, it's all around us. It's gonna lead to death. So don't take the bait. Enlarge the loss. Think that way, prepare the getaway and know that God's better is better for you. Would you pray with me? Father God, so grateful for your word, God how it shapes us and molds us and whew. James couldn't come any more clearer, God, that the, that the end game here, this, this sin that can lead to our deaths quite literally. But Jesus, you are alive. You are alive today. You are in our midst. And Lord, we can have our faith come to life if we just turn to you. So God, I am asking on behalf of myself and I'm asking on behalf of my friends that we would just trust that your way is always better, that we would pre-decide in your goodness and pre-decide in your abundance and the cup that you want us to have that can be overflowing, that all things of this world, the trappings, the bait, the lures, Lord, it never adds up. And so someone that's sitting there with a real temptation, a true temptation that they've struggled with for as long as they can remember, can you meet them, God? Can you meet us as only you can to where we can maybe think of the bigger picture, enlarge what could be lost. Help us to make a plan and prepare, God, because we don't want death, we want life. God, simply help us to verbalize this to be a community that would share with one another the burdens, the temptations we go through. And even in hearing other individual stories, Lord, maybe we'll think, oh, whew, I'm not as alone as I thought I was. And we can link arms and we can look to you as the sole source of everything good, the perfect gifts from the Father of lights. God, we love you. We pray these things in your great name. Amen. Thanks for tuning in to this week's message. If you would like to learn more about Northern Hills, you can go to nhills.org. You can also follow us online on Facebook, YouTube, or Instagram for more updates and events. We look forward to seeing you next week.